The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Welcome, welcome to Coastal. Welcome, uh, uh, for those of you who are brand new today, you maybe came because you got a card in the mail, uh, this big bright red card, red and blue, red, white and blue, uh, looks kind of patriotic uh, on this President's Weekend. We begin a new series today uh, called United We Stand. Uh, do, me a couple, do me a couple of things here this morning. First of all, though, uh, if you would, go ahead and again, pull out your Connect card, uh, because at the end of our service today, uh, I'm going to be taking a little... A uh, little spiritual survey, so to speak, kind of to see where we're at in the room today. So go ahead and again, like Ryan said, begin filling that out if you haven't done that and you want to keep that handy because I'll get you to uh, do a little uh, little survey for me uh, at the end of my message today. And also, if you're here today and you got your smartphone, go ahead and uh, check in to Facebook, let people know that you're here. Uh, that does uh, serve as an official report. For those of you who have a parole officer, need to let them know where you were this morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Anyway, hey, good morning again. I like that little, uh, you know, you never, never know who's sitting next to you here at Coastal, that's for sure. Um, uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to John chapter 17, and uh, we're going to look at a little passage that, uh, uh, that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. In fact, uh, we're, we're given this really cool opportunity to kind of eavesdrop on the prayer that Jesus prayed uh, before he went to the cross, before his death, burial, and resurrection. And in this prayer, Jesus pours out his heart to God. And uh, he talks to God about a lot of different things. He talks to God about uh, the way he had lived his life, about his deep, deep love for uh, his disciples. Um, he talked about the reason he was going to the cross. And uh, so this entire chapter, we see uh, his heart. Uh, in this prayer, we see his passion, and uh, all of that, and a lot more is wrapped up in this prayer and in this chapter John uh, seventeen and you might easily say this morning, well, well, Pastor Chris, you know honestly, so what? I mean, come on, that was like you know two thousand years ago. What in the world does that have to do with me today, and uh, what does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with uh, you know united we stand well, uh, look at verse twenty and look at what Jesus said. this is interesting. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. In other words, he basically says, my prayer is not just for my disciples who are alive with me right now. Okay? Listen to what he says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, I don't know if you've thought about that or not, but guess what? He's praying right there for you. Okay, for me, for all of us, for all those who would believe in Jesus through the message passed down through the ages. Okay, so that's everybody in this room who's ever believed in Jesus. You know, he's praying for you. He's praying for you now, praying for you then. So what does Jesus pray, okay? What is he passionate about? You know, what's on his heart? Well, again, I don't have time today to kind of unpack the entire 17th chapter of John, but, I, but we're going to zero in on one particular part of Jesus' prayer uh, that's very powerful and very important for us today. Look at, listen to verses 21 through 23, to what Jesus prays. He said, I pray that all of them may be what? That we may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete what? What's the word? Unity. Say it out loud. Say it with me again. But they may be brought to complete what? Unity. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So, Coastal, what is Jesus passionate about? What did he pray for 2,000 years ago? And what is he praying for us today? Unity. He says that they may be one. In fact, this is so cool. Jesus is so passionate about unity for them and for us that he actually uses the relationship that exists within the Trinity. Okay? Think about it. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He uses that as an illustration of the kind of unity that we together are to have with each other. That's what he's praying. God, give them that. Give them that kind of unity so that the world will know that we are one. Now, why is unity so important? Why is that so important to Jesus? I want to talk about a couple of reasons today. First of all, one reason is for our protection. For our protection. We have a common enemy. How many of you ever heard you know, the battle strategy, divide and conquer? You've heard that, right? Divide and conquer. You know, if you've got uh, kids, uh, they've used that strategy multiple times on you, right, as parents. Divide and conquer. I remember that, you know, when our kids were uh, much younger. We've all, we've all heard that. Well, we've all heard it because uh, we're familiar with it because it works. Now, Jesus said that our enemy has come to do three things, basically. To steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of his strategies that he uses to accomplish that is this the strategy of divide and conquer, okay? We need each other. We need each other. If, if you're alone, if you've been separated from other believers in Christ, you are a target, okay? The Christian life is challenging enough al- alone, you know? Uh, we, we need each other. We need to do it together, It's impossible, it's almost impossible to live out our faith when we do it alone. In fact, that's why at Coastal, we're so so big on groups, on getting people into fellowship, connecting with one another. We need each other. Now, it's important this morning, before I move on, to be very clear about who our common enemy is, okay? Because I think there's been some confusion today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, listen to this. A final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the conservative right or the liberal left. Doesn't say that, does it? It says the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting, listen to this, this is important. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against all the evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Write this down. Satan is our enemy. Satan is our common enemy. 
Not Donald Trump, not Hillary Clinton, not Obama, not Bush, not the conservative right, not the liberal left, not the protesters, not the LGBTQ, not the media. Don't you see? We, believers, followers of Jesus, we have allowed Satan to use politics and race and position and status and social media to divide and conquer us, to distract us from our real mission. And that leads me to the second reason, I believe, that Jesus prayed for our unity, that we might be one as he is one, and that is our mission. Listen to me, we do, we have a, we have a common enemy and we have a common purpose. And it's those two things, according to Jesus, that unite us together. Now, notice twice in these verses that I read that Jesus actually connects our unity, okay, to the world coming to a saving knowledge of the truth. Look back at verse 21, listen to this. May they also be in us so that, what? What does he say? So that the world may believe that you sent me. And then the end of verse 23, he says it again, basically. May they, believers, now and all through time, be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Wow. I mean, the implications of, of that, the implications of, of our unity and the, the importance of it, it is staggering. It's mind-boggling when you think about it. It's basically as if Jesus were saying, hey, church, listen, you all know, right, that you know, John 3.16 is true, but how is this world going to know that it's true? He says they will actually be able to see it and witness it in the relationships that you have with one another. How you treat one another. How you speak about one another. This is exactly what Jesus meant when he told the disciples back in John 13, listen to this, a new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, So you must love one another. And then listen to this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. You know, here at Coastal, we do. We talk a lot about reaching this world for Christ. Man, we talk about, you know, being a missionary where you live, work, and play. You know, loving people, serving people, inviting them to a place where they're gonna hear about Jesus, where we're gonna point people to him. We lock arms with one another. We're in that common, you know, mission together. And and here, right here, Jesus basically tells us, you know, what the foundation for that happening is. He said, this is what will draw people to me. How, he, he says, here is how people will know that you are a follower of, of mine, not because you eat at Chick-fil-A, okay? We all love Christian chicken, but that's not it, okay? Not by seeing a bumper sticker 
Or a little, you know, a little Christian fish on the back of your car. Oh, look, honey, there's a, there's a little fish emblem on the back of that car. They must be really, they must be real Christians. No. Now listen, I'm not saying that it's wrong to, you know, eat a Chick-fil-A or uh, drive a, a car and put little Christian symbols or bumper stickers on the back of your car. Um, you know, I don't put that on the back of my car because I don't want to worry about how I drive. But anyway... Listen, I also don't believe, listen to this, I also don't believe that the litmus test for being a follower of Jesus is how you voted in this or any election. I know Jesus-loving, Bible-believing followers of Jesus who are Democrats. I know Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians who are Republicans. The real miracle of God is that I know Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians who are Gamecock fans. Okay? Now, now, listen to me. None of that, none of that is how people will know that we are the real deal. According to Jesus, it's not how much knowledge we have. It's not what emblems you might have on your car. It is not how you vote. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, it's how we love. It's how we treat one another. That sets us apart from this world. And the question we have got to ask ourselves is this. Is it possible that our actions, attitudes, or words have pushed people further away from Jesus? Do our actions and words bring honor and glory to the name of Christ? Have we ever come across that the causes of this world and the causes that might be near and dear to your heart are more important than the cause of Christ. Let me be even more specific. Is it possible that the labels and the names and the language that you have used on Facebook have they done damage to the cause of Christ? I mean, is it possible for you to express your opinion without attacking people personally? If not, get off social media. Don't you see? The very people that you are calling names that happen to disagree with your point of view, who maybe come at that issue from a different perspective, who might not even be believers yet. They are the object of God's affection. They are created in the image of a holy God. And Jesus died for them 
just like he died for you. You know what? I don't expect everyone to believe what I believe. I don't even expect my wife to believe what I believe. (laughs) Everything, you know? We have difference of opinions. And let me go a step further. I also don't expect people to act like believers until they are believers. The problem is there are a lot of people who claim to be believers that aren't acting like it. You know, too many people who claim to know Jesus, who call themselves followers of Christ, are coming across on social media that it's more important that people vote like they do than if they ever come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And by the way, let me be really, really clear here. You're like, Pastor Chris, I don't know that you could be more clear, you know? Um, No one group has cornered the market on that type of behavior, by the way. It's all of us. Liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. In fact, on March the 1st, here at our church, uh, we're encouraging everybody to participate in a 40-day fast leading up to Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday. Some of you are pretty familiar with that type of fast. Maybe in your church tradition, it was a, a fast for Lent. Uh, The idea, basically, though, is to give up something or to deny yourself something physically so that you could focus yourself uh, spiritually. And again, many of you maybe have participated in some type of fast before. Maybe uh, for you, you chose to, the physical that you chose to give up, gave up was uh, something related to food. Uh, You know, maybe uh, some of you uh, have fasted caffeine or, or sugar or meat, or uh, maybe, uh, maybe you decide to give up uh, your time. And what I mean by that is you sacrifice uh, 30 minutes of sleep, and, uh, and you get up uh, half an hour early every day for 40 days to pray. But the re- reason I bring up all of that is to say this, for a lot of you, and for a whole lot of people in our country, the best thing that you could give up for 40 days is Facebook. Social media. In and of itself, nothing wrong with Facebook or social media. But for a lot of you, you'd have more time to actually live life. Uh, You'd probably be filled with less stress and more joy. You know, I've been the pastor here at Coastal uh, for almost 27 years now. And in 27 years, you have never, never heard me promote a particular candidate or a political party from this pulpit. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I do my best to stay informed and I do have opinions and I vote. In fact, I love our country and I am proud and humbled that By God's grace, I was born in the United States of America. I am am grateful for all the freedoms that we have here in this country. And I honor those men and women who served, are serving, and have fought and died in our country for the freedoms that we all enjoy and the truth is many of us take for granted. 
You know, I'm thankful that I can stand up here and even do what we're doing right here and right now. I'm thankful for the country I live in. But listen to me. America is not the promised land. Americans are not God's chosen people. We are not God's favorite. You know, in in fact, I think it's incredibly arrogant, small-minded, and self-centered to think that God's world revolves around us. God's world and God's redemptive plan is bigger than ours. We're not the center of the universe. You know John 3:16 for God so loved the what? The world. And even though I've got opinions, even though I do vote, as soon as I stand up here and I promote one candidate or one political party, you know what I do? I potentially alienate an entire group of people. And you know what? My calling and yours, listen to this, yours, our collective calling is higher than that. It is to make Jesus famous. It is to point people to him. And again, while we are all probably, I I hope, proud Americans in this room, what I want you to see and what I want you to understand today is that ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we have a deeper loyalty. We have a higher calling. I mean, I'm I'm grateful for the freedom of speech. Again, I'm grateful that I can stand up and do this here today. But our highest calling... It is to help people find freedom in Jesus. And that's that's what I want to call you to today. That's what I want to remind you of today because it's that calling, that mission that unites us. If we are ever going to be, you know, united we stand, we've got to realize that. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to give you a big thought today. We are not just Americans, but first and foremost... You are an ambassador from heaven. You are an ambassador from heaven. Now some of you are probably thinking, Pastor Chris, what in the world are you talking about? You know, what is an ambassador? What's an ambassador from heaven? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, listen to this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. He's basically saying, man, this is the gospel. You know, Jesus reconciling the world to himself. No no longer counting your sin and my sin against us. This is the wonderful message that he sent us to tell others. Um, And then he says this, listen to this. We are Christ's what? What's the word? Ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is using us to speak to you. In other words, that's your message. That's my message. That is our message. If we are followers of Jesus, that unites us together. We are ambassadors of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? What is an ambassador? Well, write this down. An ambassador. An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat sent as a representative from one nation to another. That's what an ambassador is. It is the high, he is the highest, he or she is the highest ranking diplomat sent from, sent as a representative from one nation to another nation. Now, where are we from? Well, again, 
We're, we're from America, but if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you are a believer, you are actually from another country. You are from a heavenly nation. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. You are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God himself from heaven to earth. You represent the heavenly nation here to show this world the love of God. 1 Peter 2.11, listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, you are what? What does he say? You are foreigners and aliens here. Foreigners and aliens. You know, all this talk today about foreigners and aliens, guess what? You are one. You are to be a foreigner and alien in this world. Ultimately, what he's saying is, you know what? This isn't your home. You have a higher calling. You have a deeper loyalty. You're just passing through. You have been sent here by God to carry out his mission as his ambassador. You see, today, if we're ever going to be Jesus' answer to his prayer for unity, in John 17, if we're ever going to stand united, we got to be clear who our common enemy is and what our common mission is. And if you back up uh, to verse 9 in 1 Peter there, chapter 2, Peter describes that role that we have as foreigners and aliens, as Christ ambassadors. Listen to what he says. But you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a holy nation, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Let me give you a couple of uh, quick thoughts about our mission here as an ambassador. Number one, as Christ ambassador, listen, you are not elected by anyone. You are chosen and appointed by God. You're not elected by people. You are chosen and appointed by God. We love the feeling of being chosen, don't we? I mean, man, that makes us feel special. Remember playing sports as a kid, maybe growing up, uh, you know, picking uh, teams, dividing into teams. Typically, you know, if it was, you know, a baseball game or basketball or football, whatever, they'd have like the two, you know, best athletes uh, be captains. And as they were choosing up sides, you're sitting there thinking, man, I hope I get chosen. And then you kind of size it up really quickly and go, man, these are the winners over here. I hope I get chosen by that team. And remember how great it felt to be chosen. And then on the other hand, remember how bad it felt when it would get down to like the last two or three people and you're still standing and you weren't chosen. You know, one of the happiest days of my life was when my wife chose me and she said yes, you know, to my proposal of marriage. You know, the fact is, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. My wife said yes, right? I mean, being chosen does something tremendous for your self-esteem. Well, here's what the Bible says about you as an ambassador of Jesus. You are a chosen people. Christ has accepted you. You know, and, and there's no condition here. In other words, it's not based on your performance. You don't have to, you know, earn his approval. You'll, you'll never deserve it. You can't earn it. God says simply, I choose you. I mean, many of you have, have received and accepted Christ into your life. But have you ever realized that Christ has accepted you? 
Let me ask you a question. Um, how much do you think you're worth? Now, I'm not talking about your, uh, your net worth. I'm talking about your self-worth. How much are you worth? And, and by the way, don't ever confuse your valuables with your value. Now, what determines what something is worth? What determines your value? Two things, basically, in life. And if you're in sales or real estate, you know this. Number one, it depends on what someone is willing to what? Pay. Okay, that's true. That's just kind of the common denominator that determines your value. What is somebody willing to pay? And then, sometimes it also de- uh, depends on who has owned it in the past. Okay? You know, sometimes uh, somebody who has owned something in the past, you know, makes it, makes it valuable. For, for example, how much do you think we could get this morning for an original Christopher Rollins guitar? You know, I mean, how much is that thing worth? Now, you might say, well, you know, come on, Pastor Chris, he's your son and all, but it ain't worth that much, you know? But let's say that that guitar over there was once played by Jimi Hendrix. Ooh, right? I'd sell that thing on eBay right now. There we go. Um, Now, let me ask you a question. Based on those two factors, what's your value? Again, ask yourself, well, who owns me and what was paid for me? You were bought and paid for by Jesus, by his blood. Jesus paid for you with his life. He rescued you from the devil. And now 1 Peter says you are his very own possession. God exchanged his son for you. That proves your value. Jesus said, God said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and he died on a cross for you. Remember, uh, remember the Taken movie starring Liam Neeson? Actually, I saw that they're, they're uh, doing a, a Taken uh, series, a television series coming out soon. I'm not really sure you know, exactly the premise for that, but the movie premise was fairly simple if you remember them. Basically, bad guys steal loved one of good guys who will do anything to get the loved one back. Now, the twist in the story is that the bad guys don't know that the good guy is a former CIA, FBI, Special Forces killer. You know, it's kind of a love story. It's great. Um, Great movie. Um, But let me tell you about a romantic love story action thriller with a message where the bad guy gets it in the end. In fact, you and I are the co-stars. And it's reality. You are a child of God. That's how much you're worth. And nobody, no one has ever gone to greater lengths to rescue you than God went to get you back. He allowed his one and only son, Jesus, to be crucified on a cross and pay the ransom price for your sin and mine. He did that for you. And maybe you're here today and you came because of a a red card you got in the mail. Listen to me, you're not here by accident. You're not here by mistake. And our Heavenly Father loves you and he paid the price for your sin. That's how much you're worth. You see, as, as, as an ambassador of Jesus, not only are you a chosen people, but listen to this. This is kind of, might freak you out a little bit. It says here, you are a kingdom of priests. 
God says you're a priest. Now again, depending on your background, that could be a little scary or a lot weird, okay? But Peter is saying that the same two benefits or responsibilities or privileges that priest had basically are now available to everyone who is a believer. You see, in the Old Testament, in general, a priest really had two main responsibilities or two uh, privileges. They had, number one, they had direct access to God. Direct access to God. Everybody else had to go, you know, through a priest in the Old Testament. The priest was the one who went one-on-one with God. Number two, the priest had the privilege and the responsibility of representing the people before God. Now follow this. And this is what unites us together. Those same two things are true of you. When you become a believer, you now, listen to this, you can go directly to God. You have direct access. Listen, you don't have to pray through anybody else. You don't have to confess through anybody else. God says you have a direct line now. You are a priest. You are chosen. You're an ambassador. God says that you and I also have the responsibility and the privilege of representing God to this world. Look at this passage in 1 Peter one more time. He says, but you're not like that. For you, you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. God's holy nation. His very own possession. Why? This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That, my friends, is your mission. That's your calling. And it's it's that mission, it's that high calling that I'm calling you to, that I'm reminding you of today. It binds us together as one. You are an ambassador. You have far more power to influence this world than you ever imagined. Listen to this. Your only influence is not a protest march or a single vote every few years. It's not a phone call to your congressman or your senator. Listen to this. It is access to the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead every single day. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. You are God's representative to this world. You weren't elected by anyone. You were chosen and appointed by God. You're not just some regular Joe. You are a priest of the Most High God. You are his very own possession. You have been called out of this world, out of darkness, into his wonderful light to show this world the goodness of God. That's your calling. That's your responsibility. So let's stand united and let's not allow our true enemy to distract us, to divert us from who you truly are and what God has called you to be and what he has called you to do. Let's be united. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, 
Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.